He says Christmas Cabbage needs his own spin-off show. Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, guys, we've got all of your listener questions from last week. You guys left us like a gazillion of them, so it's freaking awesome. We're going to do our best to get through all of them, but if you don't hear your question or you have a new question, then comment below. We'll do our best to tackle it on the next show. And if you're new here, then I encourage you to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell. Guys, we've got several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. Tons of educators, IPB pros from our industry, people who know what they're talking about, and they'll help you do better, faster, so that you can be the big guy in your gym. Plus, you know, we'll entertain you and get you through your week. This week, we've got so many questions. We've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. We're going to start out with tips on high volume injections, then minimizing the side effects of Superdraw. What do we think about carterine for lipids? Is generic GH even GH? Is an insulin pin long enough to go IM? Switching from test E to sipinate using Nibido as your off-season test. Can high estrogen be a problem even if you don't get sides like gyno? And we talk about injectable D-ball. So stick around, guys. It is time for some drugs and stuff. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you guys at Patreon. Thank you for helping to support our programming. We're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK. And if you are in Canada, then shop with supplementsource.ca. Get great deals, uh, bulk bulk pricing, uh, good shipping, all that stuff. Uh, and of course, go to eval. If you're in the UK, you can get your bloods done by David Stanley. In fact, call him David Stanley. He likes when you, the, the, we all know his middle name now, and I love that. Oh, hi, Dave. Hi. Every day I learn to hate you just a little <laughs> bit more. Hey, we were talking before the show. You were telling me yes. about a guy who emailed you. Yeah, it's it, it just, it's, not a big thing or anything like that, so don't be thinking you're getting groundbreaking news here. But a guy messaged me. Wait, are you ever getting groundbreaking news from our podcast, Dave? Never, okay. never, never. Um, um, this is the biggest load of bollocks on the internet. <laughs> thank you for watching. We appreciate it. Like, share, yeah, subscribe. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing our bollocks. Um, no, so the guy messaged me about putting uh, a valid gear in a cup of warm water before injecting. And I was thinking, you know, that used to be the standard. It was like the done thing. Everybody warmed it. I remember sticking vials under my armpits, in my groin, just to get some heat into them be before you injected them. Yeah. And it's not something that anyone ever does anymore. And I was just thinking, what other things do we remember from back in the day that we, we just don't do anymore that were – Hmm. deemed as being quite important back then we could make that into a topic for a show actually in fact in fact let's do if this only we had a show we could put it on <laughs> if you guys can think of any like old school things that you used to do uh, <laughs> bodybuilding related it could be nutrition uh training of course drugs comment with that stuff and we'll make a podcast out of that for the next episode. I like I like that idea. I think that's a good idea, Dave. So we can do a podcast for the old crumblies like me that want to reminisce <laughs> about the shit they used to do back in the day, you know. Desiccated hey. liver tablets and shit like that. 
So listen, we have a ton of questions today, though. Like we literally have like over 30 questions for the show. Okay, I made a thread at our Patreon uh, for the channel and I said, hey, guys, I'm going to record with Dave tomorrow. Do you have any questions? I figured we might get like two, three. We got like nine questions there. And then another 30 questions from uh, YouTube. So we may not be able to get to all the questions today, but we are freaking loaded up. I'll tell you that much right now. I I can't answer any questions. Why not? What's wrong? That's my religion. You don't have Dave. Come on. Come on. Come on, Dave. I do. How's your cardio going? I hear you're telling me before you're doing some cardio nowadays. I did four sessions last week. Okay. I've done it this morning. If anyone's got Peloton, they they may be familiar with the game thing that's on Peloton. So there's this game thing where you've got like six tracks in a line okay. uh, and you're represented by a wheel, by a tire. And you have to move across the tracks by either reducing or increasing the resistance. And then you hit sections that you have to either go fast or, or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, a, a certain speed or you have to accelerate and stuff like this. And it's like a game. You have a point when you do it. So I was okay. doing that this morning. Yeah. Well, so it does make cardio a bit more interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. It, it does actually get you going a bit. Well, that's cool. If it keeps you involved, at least while Peloton is still a company, I think that's great. And eventually they're just going to be gone. There'll be no more updates. So take advantage of it while you can, Dave. Don't be nasty. I'm just speaking the truth, man. I hear that they're they're down and they were like laying a bunch of people off and they stopped the production on their stuff and, and all of that. I think that they got bad press because you started talking about them here on our show. That's probably part of it, at least. It, it does seem to have all happened since I got one. I, I know. have to admit that. <laughs> I know. You... Not that I, I, I would thought I would ever be anywhere near that influencing, but... <laughs> I have to admit, the timing is canon. You told me you're like, I got a Peloton. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And then, like, the next morning, it was like Peloton stock crashes. <laughs> I'm uh, actually surprised it's held up to no fucking weight, to be honest. I <laughs> built well. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's just dive into these questions because, like I said, we've got a ton of them. And, guys, um, uh, comment with your questions. Uh, we will try to tackle them on the next show. If we don't get to your question, if you did post one uh, and we didn't get to it for this show, then comment it again and we will try to tackle it for the next show. So thanks, guys. And, and of course, I'm going to give precedence to our Patreon people. Um, I How many? What is, what is this one? I like this one. We'll start here. Uh, I'm. Yeah. Can I translate that, please? The Scots just said, if you don't pay us, you're getting fuck all. Those were actually my exact words. Thank you for translating, exactly. Dave, for, for, the, okay. for the British people. That's... <laughs> uh, let's see. How did Dave manage to pin so many mLs of gear during his under-construction cycles and just any general tips on high-volume injections? It's a good question, actually. Oh. Though we don't suggest you use a bunch of gear. That's the only thing. No, it's immoral. Don't do drugs. It's bad for you. Just say no. Um, it was just really a case to, of um, a big site rotation. So I was injecting pretty much daily. Um, and I would use rear delts, both heads of the triceps, two heads of the biceps. Uh quads, calves, glutes. 
I did try Lats, didn't get on with them. Did try Chess, didn't particularly get on with that. Um, but uh, and that was really what it was. So there was a lot of side rotation. I mean, things like Decker, um, I, I can tolerate quite high doses, so I would. I could repeat sites quite regularly with that, but test I've always been sensitive to. We've touched on this a million times. So I had to rotate test quite a lot. It's like, I can't do tests in my quads, but I can do decadent in my quads, no problem. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's where it was. I just opened up sites that a lot of people probably wouldn't consider. I mean, most people wouldn't consider calves, and they are a, a bit of a unique experience. Yeah, you're the only person I know that's talked about like consistently doing calves. Usually somebody says, oh, I tried calves once and then I never did it again. I think the problem with calves is that most people go through the back of the calf through. So they go into the underlying muscle. Yeah. Where what you're actually better doing is the actual calf head is coming in the side. So you don't go into the underlying muscle because the underlying muscle is much, much denser. Yeah. And as a result of that, any fluid in there is going to be super fucking painful. Yeah. Um, whereas if you go into the outer heads, they're much more tolerant of some oil. Um, but yeah. And that was it, really. I mean, it was just a case of putting it wherever I could get it, you know? And um, so the, the problem was that the size it was, was actually being able to reach sites. Yeah, I can I, see I that. Couldn't reach, I couldn't, couldn't reach my delts. So the wife had to do the delts. Uh, never did front, but I did do medial and rear. Um, like I said, I've done various points in my lats. Um, I wouldn't say they were problematic. They just weren't particularly pleasant, but I didn't have any issues with it. Well, when I did chest, it used to tend to lump. Chest, chest for some reason, wouldn't disperse very well. I like lat shots. I feel like those are those are easy. For me, it would be like a one-inch pin with my body fat levels. Works just fine. I remember the funniest thing, man. I remember getting to a point, Dave, where I was like, man, my, I was doing lateral delts. And I got to a point where I was like, man, this just doesn't feel the same as it used to. Like, this is really starting to hurt. I mean, this is bad. And then I realized because I was getting, I like, when I first started lateral delts, I could reach over and I could get to that lateral delt. But as I put on more size, my hand was coming further and further over. And I realized I was really like pinning that front head because that's as far as I could reach anymore. <laughs> anymore. And I was like, well, no wonder this isn't working for you anymore, Scott. Yeah, I used to get in some strange positions. Um, I used my arms a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they could take it. They, they tolerated it really well. Um, I mean, I've, I've got, I had, at, at the end of it, there was a huge bunch of scar tissue. I mean, you'd be going in and you'd, uh, you'd, you'd just, it'd be like pushing a needle through sand. You know, you'd just feel it grind and, and scrape as it went in. And it was, so obviously the, the downside, and I, I was lazy. I generally used the green because I just couldn't be asked changing needles. Um, that's like a what, 20 gauge? A, 20, uh, greens are 21s, aren't they? For us, the colors all change. Hang on, I'll tell you a minute. So a green is 21. One and a half, 21. Okay, yeah, that's pretty big, man. I think I use a 25 now. That's, I think, what I use. Is, and they're blue. What is this? Yeah, they look like this. Blues are usually yeah, blues are usually 23 or 25. And you yeah, go uh, 25. inch or inch and a quarter, usually. For TRT, but, folks. 
but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, and that was it was just as simple as that. It, it was just stick it wherever I could fucking get it, really. And, and often it was just a case of what doesn't hurt, what area isn't painful that I can pull a needle in. Um, we had a guy, uh, I'm sure, I don't know if he would be watching now. I had to block him on the YouTube channel. Um, he was going nuts, man. He uh, he was saying like that you you destroyed your arms with all the SEO that you were using. I'm sure he would love to hear that you were injecting anything into your arms. But he was like, I, he, he's done it. I have proof. Uh, in fact, I will make a video to expose you and your channel. And then he started saying that we were also Satan worshipers, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know. If you're watching, buddy, uh, thanks for watching. We appreciate having you here. I apologize you can't comment on our stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I've, I've been accused of SEO so many times. You, you, you know, the, the early days, I used to be quite offended by it, and then it was just like, oh, whatever, who gives a fuck? You know, I, I don't care. People can't uh, understand. I've Here's always, the thing: people can't understand how someone's arms could be what 26 inches like they haven't been able to do it so they can't see how it would be possible you must be doing something they are not doing i get that and i i do fully get that i mean i tried seo once in my calves i did one shot didn't walk for a week never touched it again um but i've always cited i've never made any secret of that i've always cited i tried pgf2a in my arms whether that had an impact or not, I, I generally don't know. Yeah. I've had a couple of Essequin shots in, in my tri well actually Novatol, um Novatol, yeah, Novatol shots in my triceps. Mm. Um but I mean that's only temporary anyway. You know, I mean it's only three, four days. Yeah. Uh and that was just one occasion um where I was on a stand for a t shirt company and they just wanted you know, it's like we really want big arms, so I thought I you like you do you never think you're as big as you are, do you? As yeah. well, I'll put a bit of toll in and I'll really push these tries out. But no, I mean, I, I get it. I understand the way people do it. But then if it was all synth, or why do I still carry a functional hard 20 inch arm and I haven't trained arms in six years? It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe uh, I mean they're not. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to. I don't want to rile them up too much. I'll leave it. I'm, at that. I'm still using Synthol. Yes, definitely <laughs> weekly. <laughs> you have to be. There's no other way. Listen, uh, there is no other way. So we did a really good job at spending 15 minutes on that first question. Let's continue at that pace. And guys, you're going to get a seven hour podcast. You got time today, Dave? We'll do like a seven hour show. Just a oh, marathon. You would do a marathon? I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying. I'm blaming both of us. We like to talk. We like to talk. What can we say? You know, We'll do two questions. It'll be good. Fine. Next question. Come on. All right. Tips on minimizing the impact of orals. Super draw, specifically. Uh, minimizing the impact on your appetite. I would say don't do them. Next, intermittent doses. Next question. Right? How about that? Don't do them. Next question. Okay. You want to speed it up? Come on. Let's go. Next question. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> You're dick. <sighs> You're really mean to people, Dave, including me. Um, I pride myself in being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken 50 years to get this level of dickheadness. <laughs> you know? A lot of work got into this being a dick. 
Um, it's a difficult one in that I find that though there are little bits of action we do like like breaking the dose or maybe doing a PM dose stuff like that. Really, if it's going to knack your appetite, it's going to knack your appetite. Um, some of it can be liver based, so the healthier you keep your liver on orals, that will offset to a point. But they do also just generally, you know, the stomach just doesn't like them being in there. It's as simple as that. Uh, but because orals are more stressful on the liver, liver values raise. As a result, that has does have an impact on your stomach and your appetite. So, you know, as much liver health as you can put in place on orals will offset it to a degree. But it, it's a bit like losing your hair. In, in the fact that if you're going to suffer with uh, male pattern baldness, you're going to suffer with male pattern baldness, and, and you're always going to be fighting a losing battle trying to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty much the same with the appetite suppression with orals. You know, if, if they're going to hit you hard, you may just have to leave them or run them for a very short period where you need them the most. Um, I'm down with that. that I think that's good. All right. Um Thoughts on cartering along other orals for lipid support. You know what? If I can throw something in on this one, I'll say that I actually tried oh, that. I dove in with, I, I can't remember what the dosing was, whatever the standard dosing of cartering is. And um, I went from 25 on my HDL up to like 39 in six weeks. Um, excuse me. I also got uh, elevated liver enzymes, which tells me it wouldn't be a long-term you know, thing that you would want to do. And then not to mention, um, we got another question on cartering too, and, and about how beneficial it is for fat loss and would, would we recommend it? And I'd just say no. I mean, I know that there was the rat study where they, they mega dosed it and it caused cancer, but it, you know, and it caused cancer literally of every organ of the body, including like the tongue, the skin, the heart, the lungs, the liver, kidneys, just name it all, literally cancer and everything. So my thought would be like, if we can do this stuff without using that drug, even using a little bit, then I would rather do that than even take that risk. Because the argument is, oh, well, in the rat studies, they were mega dosing it and you would have to be using blah, blah, blah each day to get the same amount. And it's like, I don't care. Like if it could potentially cause cancer and we don't need it, like you don't absolutely need it, then let's go another route. That's just my take on it. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I'm pretty similar. I mean, the, the, I, I get the argument. Um, I, and you could say, well, look, look, you take one paracetamol, it cures your headache. You take 50, it fucks you up. Um, and you could have that very similar argument around cardarine. Yes, the doses were astronomically high in relation to what we would use as an athlete or as, as a bodybuilder or whatever you want to call yourself. But the big problem I have with it is that those cancer results stopped old research. Yeah, yeah. So the problem now is we quite literally do not know. We do not know if a low dose over an extended period of time is going to have similar results. We do not know if there's any correlation at all. We simply just do not know. So you are the guinea pig. Yeah. Uh, and we will probably know in five years' time if current cardarine usage trends have had any long-term impact on people in that way. 
but currently we don't know. Uh, and it's not like there's not alternatives. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not like that's the only thing you can do. You know, we have plenty of HDL supporting compounds, krill oil, uh, citrus bergamot, lysine, vit C, all these things together can increase HDL. And generally with LDL, it's just a case of clean your fucking diet up. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there are a few anabolics that increase LDL, but the vast majority just reduce HDL. So HDL is really the biggest concern. Uh, and that's where I'm a bit like, I get it. Why, why work hard when you can take a tablet? But at the same time, it isn't really hard work to do what you need to do. Yeah. Diet's not the best in the world, and my LDL's fine. Yeah. So you, you've got to be chowing down some crap to have a, a shitty LDL, really. Does Dave remember doing a seminar in Belfast and a lady asking how to fix erectile dysfunction while her boyfriend was sitting beside her? What? No, I don't. But, oh, <laughs> That's that, amazing. Oh, poor lad. I feel for him. <laughs> I can just like picture him like sinking down into the seat and looking down. I, I don't specifically remember that, but I do have a vague recollection of a couple of occasions when when partners have asked questions. I remember one in particular, it might have even a body power, when uh, the partner was asking questions about mental health and anxiety and stuff like this, and you could see the boyfriend at the side of me just going lower and lower and lower in his chair. <laughs> and she was basically digging for why he was such a twat when he was on cycle. Yeah, yeah. All right. We've got one here about uh, Trent Ace. This is interesting. He says, um, Trent can give me that panicky feeling like I need sugar. I'm hypo when running Trent on a low-carb diet. Uh, How do you deal with that? Uh, Is it really just willpower? Now, 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 now. We probably need Scott Stevenson for this. Um, There is. Fuck, I can't remember it. I'm sure there's something with trend and insulin levels uh, and insulin sensitivity. I'm sure there's something. Yeah. But I can't, I can't remember it. I really can't remember it. But I am sure there is an interaction to do with trend and insulin and blood glucose. Uh, so it could genuinely actually be that the blood is driving, the, sorry, the trend is driving his BG down. Scott watches um, a lot of times, but he's not here today. He's moving. He moved, but, actually. So I don't okay. think he has internet. Yeah. I didn't think Scott had a house. I just thought he moved around in his RV with the dogs constantly. He bought a house out in the country in South, South, South Florida. And it looks like I saw pictures of it. It looks like it could be like some sort of a cartel operation. Like there's, you know, like palm trees and fields and stuff. And it's like, it looks, it looks suspicious. Like it looks, but he, and it's got a, it's got a pole barn and like a little, a little barn on the property and he's going to build a gym in there and hopefully he wants to hold like seminars and stuff. It looks cool, but it's out in the country, kind of like you, he doesn't have internet set up yet. So he's not watching today. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've got this nagging thing at the back of my head that there is actually in, in certain individuals, there is, there is some action around blood glucose with Trembolone, but unfortunately I can't give you any more information than that at this point, I'm afraid. All right. He's got another one here so we can make this one quick. And he says, uh, 
about growth hormone is generic GH, even GH, or is it something else? Mine definitely did something, but maybe it's a peptide or something. It seems unlikely that UGL can produce real GH. If I can say something real quick here, Dave. Crack on, crack on. Dude, I think that it's a lot of variety, you know? That's kind of like saying, how pure is cocaine? You know, it's like it depends on who you're getting it from, right? Like, this is an, an underground drug, and I can guarantee you there is legit growth hormone out there, but I can't guarantee that Jim was taking legit growth hormone. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, UGLs don't make it. UGLs buy it from China, packaged in what they want, or it comes in clear vials and they package it up themselves, but UGLs don't make it. Yeah. They buy it from China. Yeah. And, and China is the biggest producer of raw chemical powders in the world. It's not that China doesn't produce legit GH. It fucking does. Yeah. But it's obviously, there's no guarantee that what they're selling to a UGL is legit GH because it's sold without license. It's sold effectively under the radar. Um, China's never really enforced that exportation rule. So there's never been a big, big issue. They just cracked on and done it. But yeah, the UGL isn't getting materials and making GH. They're just buying GH in powder form, packaging it and pushing it on. If your drugs are coming from, oh, she says she added aren't, aren't coming from Christmas cabbage, it's fake. Huh. Whoa, Christmas cabbage is not a drug dealer. Huh. That's an interesting observation there, Michelle. No, those, those, those rumors are untrue. Christmas <laughs> cabbage is not a drug dealer. You know, too. He did one favor for one mate. That was it. <laughs> So the other thing I think a lot of people don't get is that if, if you are in <coughs> contact with these uh, these Chinese uh, factories and you were to order growth hormone from them, you could get that dose however you wanted. You know, everybody's selling mm-hmm. these 10 unit kits. Well, guess what? You can buy eight unit vials. You can buy six unit vials. You can buy four units. You could buy two unit vials. And how are you really going to know if you're getting a true 10 or if you're getting a six, like you, you really can't tell unless you were to have it analyzed, which nobody is doing, you know, the best GH I've ever used was Ansonum and Ansonum is Chinese. Yeah. All right. What else do we have here? Um, We've got a question from Tanner, and he says, What the hell? Why are you so tired, Dave? I don't know. I was up early, actually. I was up early yesterday, and I was up early this morning. Quite a lot of work on. A client of mine had blood work done and had very high estrone. The lab didn't pull his estradiol, but is it safe to assume it is also high? Why did they not pull his E2? Why only his E1? I find that a bit odd. Yeah. E2 is the most impacting of the two. Um, I'm not sure if there is actually a correlation between E1 and E2 levels that directly. It's not something... Generally, most people don't even bother with E1 because most tests don't test E1. They test E2. 
Yeah. It's weird. And that's what well that's what most our compounds are aromatized to is E two. Yeah. Mm. I mean there are a few compounds that are aromatized to E one. But it's not that common. I think that was all the uh Patreon questions. I can actually dive into uh the uh questions from YouTube. So if you guys have any questions, uh feel free to post them. Mohammed it says question for the next podcast i'm about 12 percent body fat i inject my lats and glutes at a 90 degree angle with insulin needles 30 gauge to microdose my trt would that be intramuscular injection or sub q i guess it depends on the length of the needle but if he's using an insulin pen it's no longer than a half inch 12 percent body fat do you think he's getting i'd say in the glutes He'd be hard pressed to be getting that deep in the muscle. No, but I would have thought it would be IM. It might be very shallow IM, but I would suspect it'd be a half inch of fat, still a lot of fat, as in a half inch layer. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, you know, a layer of body fat that thick. It's still a decent. Yeah, I would have suspect that. That I mean, sub Q is through the fat underneath the fat between the fat and the muscular layer yeah that that's where sub q is supposed to go a lot of people inject sub q into the stomach and they get lumps and it's because they're not actually getting it underneath the layer of fat in between the fat and the muscle they're getting it into the fat cells which is why you get the lumps mm. um it downs personal tolerance as to how lumpy you will be that sprout juice was amazing thanks christmas cabbage Hmm, that sounds suspicious to me. I, I no, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not telling you where sprout juice comes from on a cabbage. <laughs> All right, uh, Neven. Oh, I thought this was interesting. He's from Canada. He said there's a shortage um, of testosterone and ethate there. He says, uh, "Awesome episode. Uh, question for the next next week." My doctor currently has me on 200 milligrams of test E per week. There is a Canadian-wide shortage of test E. So my doctor gave me test SIP. I know there is a slight difference in half-life. How do I go about changing? Is there a way to avoid any lag between the esters? I'm currently taking 100 milligrams on Monday and Thursday. There's no need to change your injection protocol at all. Uh, my personal opinion is that there is virtually no difference. About the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the biggest difference is the, the fatty acid used in the ester. But it, it, from what I know, the actual half-lives, they're, they're virtually identical. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't need to change anything. Uh, I would have said those two, those two esters are completely interchangeable. Canada had a shortage of T3 as well for a while there. Why are they having drug shortages, Dave? I don't know. I mean, saying that, right, so have you any idea how much a mil of test nth UK manufacturers costs wholesale? Wholesale pricing and, and test E? Genuine... Genuine Pharma, testy, one mil vial, prescription grade, everything. Guess how much if it's UK manufactured? Five dollars. Again, 
$1? Again. 5,000 pounds. And that's my final offer. 80 pounds. 80 pounds? And that's wholesale farmer price. That's not retail. Hmm. So a lot of these TRT companies over here, what they do is they they ship in, they buy in from Spain or, or Turkey because it's a fraction of the cost. But if you get UK-made test end yeah. prescription, it's 80 quid a mil. Oh, there you go. It's getting drugs out. See, it's not gums, it's drugs. I get this. Change this to drugs and guns, not drugs and stuff. I get this from my doctor, and it is... I can't remember what I pay with insurance, but it's pretty cheap. It's a 10-milliliter vial of test sip. But <coughs> the irony is Sustanon. Sustanon is wholesale farmer, about £2.50 a vial. Two fifty a vial. Okay, that sounds more like it. Yeah, that sounds more like. Yeah, it. it's it's is insanely expensive for some weird and wonderful reason. I just don't know why. Huh, that's weird. You guys use more test E for your TRT over there, don't you? From a from a prescription point of view, if you're National Health Service funded, you're generally going to be on either Nabido or Sustanon. Okay. Oh, speaking of Nabido, we had a question here from Nick. He says, uh, your thoughts on test undecanoate for someone that gets annoyed with pinning in the off-season. I'm thinking of just pinning 600 to 1,000 milligrams every two to three weeks. Big fan of the show, gentlemen. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for watching. So, Nabito is 1,000 for 12, but generally most people find they're done by about eight to 10 weeks. Okay. So I would say if he's gonna do the thousand, he would need to be looking at probably every two to get anywhere near. Well, it depends on what the the different the difficulty is going to be adjusting for the actual dose. What do you mean? Um, so well, if he takes a thousand. Um, which is a standard Nabido shot, then his levels are going to be TRT for the first, until he takes his second shot. Mm, okay. And, and then they will increase, and then he takes his third shot, and they'll increase again. So you, you're just going to have to be a little bit wary of where your dropout points are from your first shot, because it will accumulate as it goes into the system. Hmm. So it's just going to make it a little bit more awkward to calculate your total dosing. Huh. You know what I've seen? Uh, let's see if I can pull this picture up here. When I had seen Nabito in the past, it's this vial on the right. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that it was. It used to be in amps, but now you get it in a in a rubber stopper vial, huh? It's one thousand yeah, it milligrams in a four milliliter solution. Yeah, it used to be four two fifty mil amps that you took all at once. Yeah, yeah. Now they have it in a in a in a vial, huh? Mm -hmm. How about that? So you're getting a lot less test per 100 milligrams with this, right? Well, it's it's such a slow, stable release. So the idea it would behind the beta was that you took your shot and then you didn't need to inject for for 12 weeks, and it was just a nice, stable 
in reality, most people start dropping off about eight weeks. They yeah. get to about 10 weeks, and it, it's at levels where they're going to be affected. So it, you, what you're going to do is you put your 1,000 in, and that gives you your TRT base for, shall we say, nine weeks. Let's be middle of the road with it. Um, and then, obviously, if you want to go super pharmacological, you're going to have to put another shot on top of that. And then if you want to get the dose higher, you have to put another shot on top of that. And that's going to get now if you if you didn't like how you felt, you're going to have to ride that out for a long time then, aren't you? Yeah, you are. What about what about if you used it as your kind of like baseline? Like say you wanted to do and we're not suggesting you run high dose cycles, but let's say you put in that thousand milligrams and then from there you added in some testy a couple times a week on top of that. Yeah, well, your your thousand milligrams giving you effectively a hundred to a hundred and fifty milligram a week, uh, as would be if you were using a, a different ester. Yeah. So you you could do that and then look to add in another three to four hundred a week if you wanted to run around a five hundred mig cycle. Okay. Yeah. Which which would be viable with some dosings as as just one mil. You just cut. You could cut down on your overall weekly injections that way while still mm. being able to kind of like top it off with a controllable ester. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You don't, you don't hear people using Nibido that much in bodybuilding, you know? No, I, I, I think the reality of it is it, it, it's just so much of a pain in the ass to manage. I almost bought some in Costa Rica once. They were out of testee. And I was like, ah, I'm going to buy some gear while I'm here. And they had Nibido, but it was expensive. Like, they wanted a lot for it. So I was like, yeah, I'll hold off. What do we got here? Gains Nation. Question for the next show. Is there a point at which elevated estrogen, regardless of sides, can be unhealthy long term? On 500 milligrams of testosterone, my E2 gets to 237 and I get zero sides. Even ran up to 700 milligrams of test P per week and still nothing. I heard a lot of guys say treat symptoms, not numbers, but I've also heard extremely high E2 can lead to problems down the line. Even if you're getting no sides at the moment, thanks in advance for listening to, uh, thanks in advance and listening to drugs and stuff makes my work days <coughs> fly by. Speaking of which guys, if you do ever get caught listening to the show, you can ask Dave to write a note for your boss. So just keep that in mind. Keep that under your hat just in case. Please excuse Gaines, State, Gaines Nation from work today because he has to top up on his drugs and stuff. I asked Victoria about this one and what she thought. Go on. Be interesting to hear. So now my first thought is is that uh, high estrogen, I, I this is my own understanding, uh, high estrogen can cause uh, more likelihood of blood clots uh, and issues of that nature. Victoria added that everything kind of fits together. So it's not just about like having one high thing. So she said that you could have issues that you may not be recognizing as being a side effect of high estrogen. Like 
like histamines can get out of balance, for instance. I mean, she could say all this a lot better than I could, but it makes sense, though. You know what I mean? Like nothing is operating in a vacuum. Like you don't just have high testosterone and then everything else is normal. It's going to affect every other. Th- it's They're all playing. All your hormones are playing in an in in orchestra together. So if you throw one up, it's going to affect the others. So there there is that. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to get an elevation of prolactin. It's not going to be as impacting as a prolactin developed from nandrolone because you don't have the impact on dopamine from the nandrolone in the same way as you do just from just from elevated estrogen. But elevated estrogen will, will trigger high prolactin. Uh, so you're going to get issues with prolactin. That can lead to other issues. That There is definitely going to be some disruption in brain chemicals um, and neurosteroids and, and that sort of setup. And, and it's just because you don't get side effects from a compound doesn't mean that the compound's not doing the things that it does. So my first argument, well, the first question would be, have you run BP? What's your BP looking like when you're running estrogen at that level? Um, though I am a, an advocate of allowing estrogen to run a little bit higher than most people probably would be if you're symptom three to an extent. You know, uh, fat accumulation is is much, much harder to recognize as a symptom. Sure. Um, and, and obviously BP is another area that needs, it does support lipids. So there are some positives in there as well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I say in the reverse in the same way about using compounds, you know, you don't want to be pushing any single area of your chemicals too high. You want to try and get them all in some level of balance. Yeah. And I think that's what Victoria was saying too. Here, I pulled this up from, I just did a Google search Healthline, I think it was. High levels of estrogen may put you at risk of blood clots and stroke. Estrogen dominance may also increase your chances of thyroid dysfunction. Um, I didn't know that. There can, this can cause symptoms such as fatigue and weight changes. So it doesn't. That, that's what's up with me. I was high estrogen today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was curious, Dave. I thought that might have been it. Uh, Billy says, um, hey, guys, love the show. Uh, can you can y'all give some info on injectable D ball? Have been using it and it's superior to the pill form for me. <laughs> Hell yeah, I've got some, Dave. I've had a bottle of it for like the last decade and I'm waiting for the right time. I'm gonna run that shit. I'm gonna get swole. You've had it for a decade. Yeah. I wouldn't be injecting that shit after a decade. <laughs> It's around here somewhere. You're worse than me for having shit in your drawers. Uh, was there an expiration date on this? <laughs> yeah, 2005. 11, 20, 14. It's oh, good. So only eight, it's good stuff. Eight years out of date. Yeah, seven and a half years out of date. That's good shit. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um... What is that? Right. So because you're, you still go through the liver, so you're not avoiding that, but you are avoiding the, the issues related to going through the stomach and you are avoiding the bioavailability issues that may come from that as well. So yeah, you're getting a much more effective dose. It is definitely less stressful than its oral alternative. 
but I mean, other than that, it pretty much behaves in the same way. Um, you know, it, it's still aromatizes to a synthetic estrogen. It's still more impacting than standard E2 um, and everything else that comes with Evo. Would agree with that. I found when I ran it, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, the best way I could describe it. I'd call it cleaner because you weren't going through your digestion. It didn't have any gut effect whatsoever. And it definitely felt stronger, like 50 milligrams injected. I, now, the only downfall to that is, is having to inject so frequently, you know, um, it's not something that's going to it's going to have the same half life as the oral is. So it's it's going to process pretty quick, um, but it is definitely stronger and it definitely felt cleaner, less digestive issues. I loved it, man. Well, never used it. Never, you never, never used any of the orals as injectables, to be honest. I don't think. Might use Winstrom once. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm going to take a brief moment to shout out our sponsors. I'll make it quick, but this stuff's super important because it's our sponsors that help to make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you shopping with our sponsors, we wouldn't be here either. You can support our programming by shopping with truenutrition.com. They're our title sponsor. They've supported us for a number of years. They have awesome health and performance supplements. You can ask Skip or Dusty or Scott Stevenson all about True Nutrition and they'll tell you how good of a company they are. Hardcore bodybuilders have trusted them for over 15 years now. Use our code THINK. You'll get some savings. You'll support our programming. If you're in Canada, you can shop with supplementsource.ca. They have highly discounted supplements, discounts on bulk orders, and free shipping over $99. Check them out. And finally, you can directly support our programming on Patreon. I'll have links below for Patreon and everything else. We're taking more questions over there, and I appreciate everybody who's already helping to directly support our programming through our Patreon. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me. Let's get back to the show. All right, question for the next show. This is a good, this is a good Dave question. Regarding metabolic health, recent fasted blood readings came back. His glucose was at 80, which is good. Uh, HbA1c is five percent at uh, a thirty-one, and C peptide mm-hmm. at a point eight. I couldn't get my fasted insulin, but my GP said C peptide is basically the same. Is it though? Would Dave still be able to assess one's metabolic health based off of these three readings and no fasted insulin? Thanks. It wasn't answered on the last one, so I posted it again. That's what you do, guys. If we don't get to it, please post it again because we can't get to all of them all the time. But we appreciate you. There's I appreciate you. We are just ignoring you. I can't. I can't say Dave appreciates you. He's. I own. appreciate everybody, but sometimes we are just ignoring people as well. Do you appreciate? Um, do you appreciate me? No. That's what, I, that's what I thought. Worcestershire. No. Your I do shire. all the work in this podcast and you take all the royals from it. I'm just, no, don't appreciate it at all. I actually feel like I am used and abused and I am seeking legal representation and I may well go on strike. Yorkshire tea made from Yorkshire water. That's what Dave drinks every day. It actually is as well. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah. I would be happy with those numbers. I wouldn't have any concerns with those numbers. Um, I think you're in a pretty good place. Um, you're not super, super insulin sensitive, but 
you're definitely not at a level where I'd be concerned. Um, and, and quite typical of somebody who eats the sort of style of diets that we do. Um, I don't see really an issue there at all. Okay. Well, then that's that. I don't even know where I was now. I lost my spot. Oh, my God. There's so many questions. Uh, oh, here's one about being a larger human. Question no, for I Dave. Can't answer. <laughs> being a larger human being, my, as myself, I'm 6'4 and bouncing between 260 to 270. Um, I've been plateaued for a few months and was curious what was the first variable you changed? Upping the food, uh, drugs, training, etc. My food uh, consistent at 5,100 calories of 90% clean food. I've tried to change my training split with little success. In terms of drugs, I haven't gone over 1,500 to 2,000 milligrams a week. Um, but how much more does super high help? Super high is also relative. Um, a 6'4 human being at 270 pounds is just by standard metabolic rates going to deal with more chemicals than a five foot two individual at 160. Yeah. Um, so there is an element there that has to be considered. Um, regards what you need to break the plateau, it could be numerous things. And that's, that's the problem. I mean, simple questions I would ask, are you progressing in the gym? Are you getting stronger? Are you getting DOMS post-workout? I know DOMS aren't a measure of growth, but just bear with me. Sure. Are you are you getting DOMS post-workout? Do you feel fatigued? Do you feel any issues with sleep or recovery? It may be that you need an extra rest day, or you just need two or three days off. However, if you're not getting DOMS post-workout, what it does indicate is that you are not delving deeper into the muscle than you previously were within your workouts. So there is a potential argument there that your progression within training hasn't increased hmm. in the sense that you are using the same muscle fibers to the same extent week on, week out. Um, one of the triggers for DOMS is the fact that you start to recruit muscle fiber that you previously haven't recruited. Hmm. Now, there's a point of diminishing return with that. You can only delve so deep into a muscle for recruitment. But... If you've not got anything, there is a chance that you've probably stagnated with your training. So there's an area to look at. If your body condition or your body fat level is good, then you can definitely risk a calorie jump and see how you respond. If your body fat composition is shit, then chances are your calories are too high anyway, and you're probably better going on a bit of a cut and then using the back of the cut as a springboard to then go back into another push and move forward. Um, having said all that, there is a point when you quite simply just have to fucking up the dose. And, and you know what? Too, I feel like I'm listening to you talk, Dave. I feel like this of advice applies to really anyone. Everything you've said so far isn't just for a guy who's really big. It would apply to anybody. These are the things that you'd want to look at if you're not making the progress you want, right? Yeah, but there is that I wouldn't say that fifteen hundred to two thousand for a six foot four two seventy guy is excessive. It's not lightweight. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't either say that was a lightweight dose, but I would say that there is potential room 
for more. The other thing is potentially looking at the compounds you're using as well. Mm. Uh, it may be that you're not actually increasing total milligrams, but you, you go a different route compound-wise. Uh, maybe something that's got greater anabolic value. Um, depending on what you've used in the past would depend on where you'd be looking for going forward. But, uh, you know, if you've got trainings on point, your progressive diet's on point, you will get to a point where the, your chemical intake just won't sustain any more mass. And, and unfortunately, the only answer there is you have to up the dose. And that's down to you as to whether you feel the increased risk from increased doses is worth the payoff you're going to get from doing that. Yeah. Okay. This is more of a comment than a question. Uh, Nick, the guy who asked about the, uh, the uh, Nabito, he says Christmas cabbage needs his own spinoff show. And I said, just him. And he said, uh, yeah, just Christmas cabbage in the camera crew. Uh, the show will start off slow, but it'll pick up in the season somehow. He says, trust me, I have great confidence with his success to stardom. Hmm. Good work. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. That was. I feel like there was something to that. I feel like there was something to that. What do you think? Like I there think was fell over. <laughs> there was like a little magic there for a minute. I could watch that for a good half hour. You know, it's good. It's good. The 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 strange thing is that was completely unscripted as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Uh, Chris Davis thoughts on a hundred milligrams a week, uh, with my 200 milligrams of TRT. So he's talking about a hundred milligrams of test, I assume, and adding that on top of his TRT, which will now be a cycle. Well, I'd say hundred milligrams of what chocolate spread, peanuts, um, Coke, you know, I'm assuming what tests. are we adding? <laughs> Just something hundred milligrams of something. <laughs> I was actually thinking it might be meaning master or prima. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's just you, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be above TRT. So, you, you, though you're not at a high cyclic dose in any way, shape, or form, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's things going to come with that. I mean, are you, are you considering running this long term? Is this a short term thing? Is this a, a 12 week thing? Um, need a bit more information, Chris, really, please. Fair enough. Um, so, in short, could do better. Please resubmit your question. Benji says, currently experiencing trend cough. He's doing really well to type while he's coughing with trend. Then. That's what I was wondering. Had you ever gotten trend cough before? Like, like really bad? Yeah. Fuck, you know. Do you remember where you were the first time it happened? Right. So there's also a lot of people will associate trend cough with actual, actual aspiration. No, just shut up, please. Quiet, boy. Just I'll just go away. How about that? No, just, yeah, just, yeah, go on, fuck off. Be gone. 
It's just the Dave show. Uh, that's better. It's better. I like uh, this. Drugs and stuff with Dave. Um, so, trend cough <laughs> is actually a repetitive cough that you have consistently. It's not a cough that you get post-injection that's harsh and only lasts for a few minutes. If you get a harsh cough post-injection, you've got your gear in your bloodstream. And that is the benzyl alcohol aspirating through your lungs, causing a constriction within your lungs, and that's why you cough and think you're about to meet Jesus. Um, it will also leave a, sometimes a, a strange taste in your mouth, and you can feel out of sorts for quite a while afterwards. Actual proper trend cough is a long-term repetitive cough because of trends effect on the lungs, which is why trend fucks up your cardiovascular ability. I don't know if I agree with that. Fine. Don't then. Follow you. I don't know if I agree with that. that and, and I think it's just a terminology thing. But I think when I think of trend cough, I think of the cough that happens when you take the injection and you immediately go into a fit and uh you know have a a bad coughing fit right after you inject that's what i think of when i think of the term trend cough but i've also had it uh on masteron i've also had it on test and i found that particular brands i would be more likely to get it with any compound um it's very heavily linked to benzyl alcohol content within the the injectable yeah uh, because that's what's causing the lung constriction that's what most people would view trend cough as. Personally, I don't. I feel that that. There you go. Chase Hines has been all scientific. We don't use big words on this show, Chase. Chase, take that to your own channel. We got to. You got to yeah, dumb it down for us on. here, Chase. Come on. We're, we're, come on. We're thick tards here. We only use simple words. One <laughs> syllable, two at a push. We can't go to three. That's just too much. Pulmonary. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of syllables word. for one. Oil. I can deal with oil. Oil's good. <laughs> I, I remember, but, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, sir. To me, that what you're describing is when you get literally get the oil in your bloodstream and the alcohol affects the, the, the lungs. Whereas the actual trend cough is a repetitive dry cough, which is an irritant based on the long-term exposure to trend. And it's part of the same mechanism that causes the cardiovascular drop when you're on trend because your lungs just can't get the air into the bloodstream in the same way as they normally would do. I recall the first time I got what I would call trend cough, but I had read on the boards. I knew, thankfully I knew what was happening or I would have assumed that I was literally going to die. And I remember injecting and getting that like a metallic taste. And while I was getting mm -hmm. this metallic taste, I started getting this burning sensation in my gums. And I went to the bathroom. I don't know what I was going to do in there. I was just sitting on my bed. And then I went into the bathroom and literally was like on my knees. It got worse. Like that burning sensation went through my gums, into my tongue, into my face, into my throat. It was just like all consuming. It's just such a painful feeling. Saliva is literally just like pouring out of my mouth. Sweats profusely coming off my head. And I literally thought like 
you just got to hold on. This is going to get better. This is going to get better. And eventually it did. But I also found that after that experience, like one out of three times, I would get it after that. Have you ever used PGF2A? No, I haven't. That is definitely an experience on your respiratory system. (laughs) What was that like? Not pleasant. Uh, Not pleasant in the slightest. So apart from you nearly shitting yourself. um, So really when you take it, you want to be sat up bog with your pants down. Um, It causes a massive constriction within the lungs and you quite literally can't breathe. Uh, And it's... The first time is scary as fuck. Once you've gone through it, you know what's coming. It's not so bad. Yeah. But the very first time, it is fucking hell. You watch. <laughs> that was the uh, look I had on yeah, my face with the trend. Yeah. All right, listen. Well, we have like a zillion more questions that we won't be able to get through from YouTube. I'll take a couple really quick here from the feed because we got a bunch here as well. Um, Peter had said $150 for 10 milliliters with no insurance for him. Uh, that's for 10, yeah, 10 milliliter vial. That's, that's about average. I would say, uh, Graham says 50. What's a quid? A quid is a slang term for a pound. How about a training question? No, we don't do that. We don't do training questions? Not even for Alfonso? Uh, well, he is he is a very well-dressed individual. He is. He's, he's got some some taste here, some style. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts on squatting four to five sets and deadlifting four to three to four sets three days a week in the rep range of 12 to 25? One to two reps shy of failure. Not necessarily chasing substantially strength, but increasing size and overall condition. I'm doing anything for lower body. I'm doing anything for lower body except for GHD machine three to four sets and occasionally some sissy squats. From a conditioning point of view, it's going to be excellent. Um, I, I think you, you, I think you'll get an initial muscle response, but I'm not so sure it will be sustained. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree um, with you. Well, from a conditioning point of view, from a functionality point of view, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You know, if you're doing that sort of stuff three times a week, your functionality is going to go through the roof. You're going to be a very functional. You're going to be very well conditioned. Uh, great. Unless, I'm good. I said that's conditioning on a point of view of cardiovascular conditioning, not body fat levels, just in case anyone watching has got a little bit confused. I would agree with that. Um, question for you both. Have you got any training tips for getting a wider, thicker back so you can effectively look good in a shirt? Thanks. Dave, how do you how do you look so good in a shirt? That's what we want to know. That's, that's all to do with everything above the neck, mate. <laughs> so you are well and truly fucked. Um, are you talking to Graham or are you I talking think- to me? Because if you're talking to Graham, talking- Dave... No, I'm talking to you. I wouldn't insult oh, Graham. Okay, that's acceptable then. That's acceptable. I think with back, back's a, a tricky body part. It's extremely powerful. It, it can really handle some heavy timber. 
but it's also difficult to engage with. It's not a, an easy muscle to connect with. And I think initially you really have to spend the time learning to connect with the back, learning to engage it, learning to get it moving properly and feeling it in that movement before you start to then try and load it. But then by all means, go heavy ass. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of overload and cheap principles on back, but not at the cost of that engagement. So I, I would often, my back workout was very, very based around bent over rowing. Uh, it was my staple. Uh, bent over rowing and lap pull downs. And uh, I'd start one plate, two plate, three plate, four plate, and they'd all be very strict. They'd all be very tight, making sure I could feel every contraction, making sure that I could feel the back engaging. And then I'd push it up to five and six, and six would be sloppy as fuck. Uh, but I'd make sure I controlled the negatives. I'd make sure that when the negative came, my chest was up, my back was arched, and I was holding that load. Yeah. And then I'd drop back down a bit lighter and just finish it off with some really tight engagement stuff. And I found that a really good recipe for, for work. That overload element does help back because it is a big, thick, dense collection of muscles. There's a lot of timber in your back. Yeah, you know you're on a par with legs for actual physical muscle mass in there if you develop it properly. Uh, and I think you you though you you do need that tight work, you do need that strict form related work. Don't be afraid of pushing it a bit above and beyond for a couple of sets, but make sure you don't stay there indefinitely because you're, you're only going to end up hurting yourself. I'd agree with you there. I, I think that initial thing you said is such an important part too. It's the back is something it's difficult to learn how to activate it for a lot of us. There's, there's mm -hmm. so many different muscles. Uh, there's so many different ways that you could actually move the weight from point A to point B without really targeting the lats, for instance. Uh, rule of thumb, elbows in, hands behind the elbow, and you're not going to go too far up. When you row, keep those elbows tight, scrape them in past your sides. When you do a lap pull down, keep the elbows under the hands. Yes. Um, can you can fullness drastically change when dropping GH? Yes. Yep. That's what I'd say its main benefit is while you're dieting and staying full. You know, hmm. your intramuscular water levels are going to drop significantly when you drop GH. Same as when you drop insulin. I would expect a several pound drop on the scale too if somebody's using mm -hmm. a decent amount of GH and then cuts it out. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, listen, that's about all the time we got, Dave. Okay. What uh, What do you got going on for the rest of the day? What time is it? It's eleven a.m. Three past ten. Sorry, ten past three. What the fucking hell, my brain's fried. Um, I have to just go over tomorrow night's lesson. Um, tomorrow I'm going to a convention to look at blood testing machines. And then tomorrow night is the final lesson in my Pillars of Growth series, the online course that I'm, doing, that I'm trialing. If this goes over, well, this week and next week's summaries, and then if that once I get the feedback from that, I'll fine tune it and I'll be pushing that out as a paid course. What's your Pillars of Growth series? So that's, um, it's going to be, I think it's going to end up being about seven or eight two-hour sessions on Zoom. 
uh, and we go through diet, drugs, training techniques. Uh, you get access to, to very supporting material uh, and health, how to read bloods, health markers, health management, side effect management, things like that. Um, so it's quite in depth. It's not overly sciencey, but it does touch on sciencey stuff. So this is on Zoom. Like it's like a group meeting. You're live with people. Yeah. So what I did was I, I got six people to to do the course. They did it at a reduced cost, um, uh, and basically I'm using their feedback. And I mean, there's a couple of people on the course that aren't particularly fans of my style of thing, so their feedback's quite direct, which is good because I wanted that. I wanted I wanted that hypercriticalness within the feedback so I could really make the course robust. You should have asked me to um, help you then. I would have been... Yeah, I wanted nice people on it. Timing would have... wouldn't work for you. That's the problem. I would ask questions all, all the way through for you. It's, keep you okay, it's hard enough trying... It's hard <laughs> enough trying to keep it down to 14, 16 hours. Honestly, I could go on forever with some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then if once I've got the feedback and I fine-tune it, we'll, I'll pump it out as, a, as something that people can pay for and join. Is Christmas cabbage part of this? No, he isn't. Christmas cabbage isn't on the course. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe for an additional fee, could he be? Like if people wanted to pay a little extra, maybe? Yeah, I suppose we could do. So we could have a Christmas cabbage session. Yeah, sure. Little, we could do something. Little cabbage one on one time, you know? Where just like he gets to speak his mind and really share, really dive deep into some stuff. The more the psychological stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I could get heavy. We do touch it. Yeah, we touch on that on the course, actually. We touch on mental health on the course. Yeah. I, that doesn't surprise me. You've done stuff with mental health. You've given talks about that kind of stuff, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, I'm not. The thing is with this course, what I've de- deliberately not tried to do is stick a lot of big words in it to try and make myself sound clever. Yeah, Chase, Irons. Yeah, Chase. Pulmonary. Exactly. Um, So I'm not sure how it will be received in the sense that some people may undervalue it because it doesn't sound stupidly over-technical. Yeah. But I'm fried with – I mean – I'm not picking on Chase, and please don't take this. No, no, we're 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 totally joking with him about that. Just to be clear, our dry sense of humor doesn't know he knows, but just for everybody else. The thing is, Chase correctly identified what we were describing, but for most people, if you said that, it sounds clever, it sounds important, but most people are like, I haven't got a fucking clue what he just said. Yeah. So from a teaching aid. It's completely useless. Uh, it is the correct terminology. So what I've tried to do is is keep the technical terms to a minimum. Uh, and, and I think that's where probably, maybe I'm blowing my own trumpet here, but I think where one of my strengths is the ability to keep things in layman's terms, to keep things simple for people to try and grasp and understand the concepts. Yeah. The problem is we, we tend to be in an age now where people that are over-technically even if they don't actually really understand or comprehend what they're saying, are regarded as being cleverer and more important and therefore worth more money. So I'm not sure if the the value of the course is going to be apparent to some people because they might find it too simply explained. But at the end of the day, the way I feel about it is 
the information is only good if you understand it. It's funny because I, I can't name any names, but Scott Stevenson has said to me more than once that about some different particular people who have taken big words. And he, he said, it's almost like he, he said this more than once. He said, it's almost like this person has memorized like 20 different popular buzzwords, scientific buzzwords, and then just kind of intermingles them together into sentences that, and realistically, I'm going to be straight up with you guys. There's a handful of people out there that I know of that are purposefully doing that to manipulate and trick you into making you think that they're intelligent. And then you watch their stuff and you start to learn those words and you start to feel like you're learning something. And so that this is a value and you're becoming more intelligent in the process. But I'm going to tell you something. The reality is if you go backstage to an IFBB show and you're looking at the biggest guys in the world, they don't know those words. They don't use those words. And if you look at a lot of the people who are using those words, they don't have physiques that look anything like the guys that are backstage at the IPU Pro Show. I'm just going to say that. I am. And I'm going to let everybody kind of, What here's what I'll say is use your own intellect to pick those people out for yourself. And, and because we were messing with Chase, I do want to make sure I emphasize I am not talking about him. I, I've always subscribed to the Einstein um, theory of education, which is you can only truly say you understand and know a subject if you can explain it to a six-year-old and they can successfully explain it to another six-year-old. I like that, yeah. Uh, and and I, I've, I've always tried to, to live that way, you know, in a sense of when I'm, I'm trying to educate, I always try and keep it as simple and as basic as possible because people are embarrassed to say, I don't understand what that word means. Yeah. There is also my handicap of not being able to pronounce big complex words as well, which, which <laughs> obviously I'm avoiding. I'm avoiding that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I uh, wish you the best of luck. I know you have a busy week and you're going to a watch festival uh, on the weekend so you can buy yourself a new Rolex. I think that's fantastic. No, I'm, I'm not going to buy myself a new Rolex. I'm really I'm glad that you're things that I can't afford. I'm gonna glad that you could afford those kind of things, Dave, and I'm really I'm really proud of you for, for spending your money wisely on those on that stuff. I don't have a Scott in in income. <laughs> I'm actually working it. We're doing IVs at the at the uh, London Watch Show. I hope it goes well. I hope you guys get some good stuff there. And I know you're going to have enough. Where's that other one at? The the other thing you're going to a something. Oh, else? Wednesday we're going to the NEC to a uh, um, um, conference exposition on blood testing medical equipment. We're going to look at some testing machines. Oh, you're going to a gym too, aren't you? On the weekend. Oh, Sunday we're at Code Fitness in Newark, but that's fully booked. Yeah, that's 50 oh. people we do on that day. Holy shit. That's a lot of blood. Uh, that's, a, that's a fucking long day. So. <laughs> well, I wish you guys the best of luck out there, guys. It, it, we appreciate everybody watching on the live feed. You guys are freaking awesome. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, then if you haven't subscribed, 
we encourage you to. We got a bunch of different podcasts for you to check out. Uh, plus, like and share and comment. All that stuff helps to boost us in the algorithm. You guys are awesome. Check out truenutrition.com and use our code THINK. Uh, check out supplementsource.ca. If you are in Canada, Amino Asylum, our code is THINK over there. And go to evalbloodanalysis.com. You can schedule with Dave, get some labs done with him. Thanks, Dave. Stay on the line. Stay on the line.